One day, long ago, Jesus promised that rivers of living water would flow from those who believed in him. Living water moves. It can't be still. It rushes and rises with the tides and is beyond our control. It can feel overwhelming. But the rising tide is exactly where we have been called. And we follow the one to whom all things belong. His finger traced the winding paths of rivers. He calls forth water from the rock, streams flowing down from the mountains. It is rushing, racing, this water that flows from him. This living water flows from us as well to a desperate world. The tide is rising because he has called it to do so, and he is calling us to rise with it. Good morning. So glad to see you at Seacoast this weekend. I want to welcome you uh, here in the building that I'm standing in right now. Also, if you are joining us at one of our locations, we're glad you're here. If you're online uh, watching in your pajamas, we are glad that you are here. We're glad you're not in here in your pajamas, but we're glad you're watching with us. Uh, want to shout out especially to our McClellanville and Conway campuses. I, I, I need to talk to you guys for a minute. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a reprimand before we get into the sermon. Uh, we started a series two weeks ago called The Tide is Rising, and I asked all of you and thousands of you have opted in to be reminded every single day at 3, 3.20 in the afternoon to pray that the tide would rise in our families, in our churches, in our communities, and y'all went and prayed in a hurricane, all right? <laughs> I, I almost had to send out a, a text this past week saying, would you please stop praying for the tide to rise for just a couple of days? Uh, but, but no, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, thank, thankfully, we did not hit the, the brunt of the storm. Uh, we do, I know you've seen images coming out of Florida, Fort Myers area, Sanibel. Uh, and I want you to know that we are already helping. We're already at work. And that's because of your generosity. We have a, a legacy lame. Yeah, uh, th thank God that we're able to be where hurting people are because that's where, that's where Jesus is. And we have a legacy lane uh, for national missions. And we uh, have asked you guys over the years to give so that we can be ready to respond. And you guys have given uh, so faithfully. We sent uh, $25,000 down to uh, Next Level Church, which is Pastor Matt and Sarah Keller. They are right in Fort Myers, totally devastated that uh, we've been in touch with them, as well as two other mission partners that we're able to help and serve. If you want to be a part of that, if you want to give or go, because we will probably be sending teams down as well, you can go to our website at seacoast.org slash relief, uh, or you can give just by texting uh, the word relief plus any amount to 320-320, and we'll continue to send resources down to serve those people. You know, I'm so excited and honored 
to be able to introduce you to our speaker this weekend. I've been learning from John Maxwell for probably about 25 years. As long as I've been studying leadership, I've been learning from afar, reading his books. If you don't know of Dr. John Maxwell, he's written uh, over 100 books on leadership, communication, uh, all kinds of different topics, sold over 34 million copies of his books, perennial New York Times bestseller. Y'all, I've been trying to think about how to write one book for about 10 years, and, uh, and so inspired by John and his content. And, and I was telling him this morning, over the last maybe year or so, I've been able to, to be mentored personally by John and get to know him better and really learn from him up close. And I always like it when a leader is better up close than they are from afar. And that's the kind of leader that John Maxwell is. But he lives in another stratosphere. He doesn't need to be here this morning. But I'm so grateful that at the level of influence, and he's pouring into some of the, the biggest organizations and companies in the world, uh, that he continues to get down on the elevator and come back down and pick up people like me. Uh, and he's here today uh, coming down to raise up and lift, be a lifter of, of each of us in our leadership and in our, our faith in God. So would you guys help me? Would you stand to your feet and just honor Pastor John Maxwell as he brings the word this weekend? Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Wow. Good morning. My name is John, and I'm your friend. <laughs> On the count of three, give me your name. One, two, three. Nice to meet you. It's so good to be here at Seacoast. My gosh, I'm so excited for our time today. I, I think you know this. I have an opportunity to know leaders around the world, literally. And you're so blessed because I, I've known Greg for many, many years. And Greg and Debbie and their founding of this church. And then, of course, Josh and Jason. And just your, your church is greatly blessed by good, God, godly, solid leadership. And yeah, it really is. It just... It just uh, and you're very fortunate. A lot of congregations just don't have that opportunity or that environment. So to be today with you, you know, Josh, thank you. And it's so good to be with all of you. I'm very excited. Um, my wife, Margaret, and I uh, have been married for 53 years. And we have, uh, uh, two, we, have, we have two children. We have five grandchildren. Grandchildren are God's gift to you for not killing the children. And when Josh was telling you about all the books I've written, it's really no big deal. Think about it. If you write that many books, the only qualification is you have to be old. <laughs> I mean, if you're not old, you can't write that many books. And so, uh, but it's just, I'm just so excited to, and honored and privileged to be here. Let me uh, do one thing before I teach. Um, you, you don't realize this, but uh, this, I'm going to help you here. I, I'm set, I'm set, first of all, I'm 75, and when you're, when you're 70, here's what happens. When you're 65, you get wisdom. This is amazing. Just, you get about 65 and all of a sudden you get, you just get wisdom and think, wow, that's, that's good. That's good. Now, as I look at many of you, honestly, you have a long time for this. It's going to be a long time for your wives. Okay. Uh, 
you know, God's got a great sense of humor. When you're young, he gives you energy and no wisdom. <laughs> when you're old, he gives you wisdom and no energy. You know what I'm saying? And, and so what I have on my iPhone is, this is so good. I, so I'm going to take two minutes out. I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to explain life to you. So, you know, because we all have questions about life. Well, I'm, go, I'm going to explain it. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, you're about to understand life. Go ahead and tell them that right now. You're, you're about to understand life, okay? In fact, in fact, look right back at them and say, why do you think I brought you here, okay? okay. So, so, so here, here, here we go. On the first day, God created the dog. God said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone that comes by and I'm going to give you a lifespan of 20 years. And the dog says, that's too long to be barking. Give me 10 years and I'll give you back the other 10. And God agreed. So on the second day, God created the monkey. God said, entertain people, do monkey tricks, make them laugh. I'll give you a 20-year lifespan. The monkey said, how boring. Monkey tricks for 20 years? I don't think so. The dog gave you back 10 years. That's what I'll do too, okay? God agreed. On the third day, God created a cow. He said, you must go out in the field with the farmer all day long, suffer under the sun, have calves, give milk to support the farmer. I'm going to give you a lifespan of 60 years. And the cow said, that's kind of a tough life you want me to live. For 60 years. He said, I'll tell you what, let me have 20 and I'll give you back the other 40. And God agreed. So on the fourth day, God created man. God said, eat, sleep, drink, play, marry, enjoy your life. I'm going to give you a 20-year lifespan. Man says, what? Only 20 years? I'll tell you what, I'll take my 20 and I'll take the 40 that the cow gave you back. And the ten the monkey gave you back, and the, and the ten that the, the dog gave you back, okay? And God said, okay, you've got a deal. So that is why the first 20 years of our lives, we eat, sleep, play. <laughs> I see the train a-coming. <laughs> oh, shoot. The first <laughs> So the first 20 years of our lives, we eat, sleep, play, marry, enjoy ourselves. For the next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. <laughs> For the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and we bark at everybody that goes by. <laughs> All right, you've just had life explained to you. If you and I were sitting at this table, just the two of us, okay? And you, you said, John, talk to me about what you think is important in life. Well, first of all, I would automatically immediately talk about faith because that's essential. But beside that, if, if you were to sit at this table and we were having a one-on-one -on -one conversation said, help me, give me something that's going to really make a difference in my life. What I would talk to you about is I would talk to you about perspective. Because your perspective right now 
concerning God, uh, uh, your family, your work, where you live. You, you, this, the perspective that you have right now is your world. Your, your, your perspective is your world. You see, how we view things is how we do things. And that's why it's possible for two people to live in the same world and have two totally different viewpoints of that world. You see, we don't see what is before us. We see what our perspective is. It, it, so you run into somebody that has an abundance mindset, they see opportunity. You see somebody that has a scarcity mindset, they see closed doors. Now, let me, it's the same world. The, the, the world is the same, but our, our perspective is not the same. Most, most of my life, 80% of my time, I really deal in the business community, and, and I, I deal with people that by and large don't know God. And so when I would become friends with them and, and speak to their companies, et cetera, and I would have conversations with them, people that don't know God, I would ask them, I'd say, well, how, what, what is your picture of God? I mean, when you think of God, what, what do you see? And, and almost immediately, I began to understand that, and this was a, an incredible breakthrough for me for a moment, that, that people who don't know God are not anti-God. They just have a wrong picture of him. And in fact, one of the joys of my life for several years now is to help people have a, a correct picture of God. Because the moment that their perspective of God changes, their relationship changes. And that's true in, in everything in your life. That, that perspective is, is just huge. If, if, if I can change in how I see things, everything around me begins to change. I'm, 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 one of my least favorite places to go is the dentist. I see I have friends here, don't I? Uh, I mean, okay. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's not like, wow, I get to see the dentist today. You know? And, you know, they, I don't need to tell you everything. It's just, it's not really, I mean, I, the question is, will dentists go to heaven? That's the question. <laughs> I, I suppose they will, but they won't be dentists there. They won't be dentists there, that's for sure. But you know, they're, they're always, you know, they, they, you know, you get your teeth cleaned, and you know, and, 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 and you know, you get to go, to, you know, go do that, you know, you, you do all that stuff, okay? Well, sometimes I, w I wish I could help a person. I wish that, I wish our heads like had a zipper, and you could unzip it, and you could like take the mind out and you know, like spray the sucker off, you know what I mean? And, 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 and kind of get, you know, get all the cobwebs out and get all the, get all the dust off and get off, get, get all, all that, that stuff off because it's, you know, it, when I go to the dentist, I get dental floss. Well, I, I would like to help people with mental floss. I, I, would just, I would just like to walk into their life and say, look, my name is John and I'm your friend and I want to give you a, a perspective that's going to be an asset in your life and not a liability. So the story we're going to look at today is the story of the Good Samaritan. We know the story well. Jesus tells it to an attorney who comes to him one day and basically he asks the question, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells him the story. So we're going to pick it up. It's on the screen. You can follow along. In reply, 
to the question. Jesus said a man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side, and so to a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. And then Jesus asked the lawyer, which is these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in law replied, The one who had mercy on him, and Jesus told him, go and do likewise. In this story are three different perspectives. And I want us to look at them just briefly. It's very simple because their perspectives determined their behavior. So let's look at the robbers first. And and, and basically, the robber's perspective was this. What is yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. So they see this guy coming down the road. They said, hey, we're going to rob him. That's a robber's perspective. What's yours is mine, and and I'm I'm going to take it. Now, honestly, I don't have to spend too much time on this perspective because I think most of you are saying, well, well, thank God I'm not that. I wouldn't be so quick. You got some robber in you. Yeah, you do. I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I got robber in me too. We, we, let me explain it this way. We were born robber. We're born in sin. And, and if you don't think you have some robber in you, think of the behavior of a toddler. In fact, let me give you property law from a toddler's perspective. (laughs) If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. (laughs) We all got a little robber in us. Every one of us were born in sin. And to be honest with you, there are times when I look at those and say, you know, wow, what's yours is mine. I'm going to take it. But let's go to perspective number two. Because I, you know, We've matured beyond that, hopefully. Uh, you know, so somebody, they told me, they said, well, they're, they're immature, but they're going to get older. And I said, well, maturity doesn't always accompany age. You know, sometimes age comes alone. 
Perspective number two. This is the perspective of the priest and the Levite. Remember, they saw the man crossed on the other side, kept going. Their perspective is, what is mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. So when they saw this man in terrible trouble, they basically said, well, I, you know, that I, I feel bad for him, but that's his problem. I mean, what's mine is mine, and, and you know, I'm going to keep it. I have a wonderful friend who told me about taking his son to McDonald's. To, his 10-year-old son loved McDonald's French fries. And, I, mean, I mean, think about it. Who, who doesn't love McDonald's French fries? So his son wanted to go one you know, Saturday morning, and so dad you know, gets him in the car, takes him to McDonald's, goes up, gets a pack of fries, sits down at the table with him, and they're starting to talk. And you, you know that, I mean, if you're, if, 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 if you're near McDonald's fries, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> you look at them, and you smell them, and he, he did what we would all do. He, you know, soon he's reaching over into that pack to, to get some of the fries. And his son grabs his hand and pushes it back. He said, no, no, dad, you can't have these fries. These fries are mine. And he said, I pulled my hand back. And then as a father, I immediately thought three things. Number one, he doesn't understand where these fries came from. I'm the one that drove him to McDonald's. I'm the one that went to the counter. I'm the one that paid for them. He, the only reason he has fries is because of me. He doesn't understand that I'm the source of his fries. He said the second thought that came to my mind was, he doesn't understand that I can take them away from him. <laughs> With that kind of attitude, I can say, if, if that's the way you're going to be about you don't want to share fries, I'm going to take those fries. I mean, I'm the father. I can take the fries from him. He said, in fact, I not only could take the fries from him, if I wanted to, I could go back up to the counter and order 20 packs of fries and go over there and dump them on him and bury him in McDonald's French fries. As soon as he said that, I thought, wouldn't that be wonderful? How did you die? <laughs> was it manna from heaven? It was McDonald's fries from heaven. I, I smothered. In fact, two people tried to rescue me and I smacked them off. You know, I, 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 I just, he, you know, he, he doesn't, I'm the source, doesn't understand. I gave him to me, doesn't understand. I take him away, I can bury him. And he said, the third thing is he, he doesn't understand. And this was huge. He doesn't understand. I don't need his fries. I can go back up to the counter and I can get my own pack. And I can sit at the table and I can have mine and he has his and I eat my fries. And he, has, he said, what he doesn't understand is as a father, I, I don't need his fries, but I would sure love for him to share them with me. Of course you would. A father-son moment. What I've discovered is that selfishness and significance are two incompatible words. 
Let me explain. Selfishness is all about me. It's, it's, it's all about my stuff. Significance is all about others. Now, I know a lot of very successful people that their perspective is what's mine is mine. I, I know a lot of them. I know a lot of wealthy, successful people, and I know a lot of them that are very unhappy, a lot of unhappy, successful people, because what's mine is mine. But when you go to significance, when we begin to see others, I've never, I've never met an unhappy person that spent his or her life living in significance. I, I never have. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I'm not selfish. You didn't think you were a robber either. You're 0 for 2. I had a lady really one time come up to me, and she said, well, I, I, just, I just want you to know I'm not a selfish person. And I smiled, and I thought to myself, no, I, I, don't, I, I think you think that. You're a delusional person. <laughs> and, and No, no, wait, wait. If you don't, if, hold on, hold on. My name's Sean. I'm your friend. If you don't think you're selfish, and somebody takes a picture of you and your group, when you see the picture, let me ask you a question. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? How many are guilty? The first person you look for is yourself. And you're not selfish. You look at yourself. And if it's a good picture, you say, oh, my gosh. Great picture. Send that to me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, super picture. Wonderful, wonderful. Oh, that's such a great picture. And, hey, and if you don't look good, you say, oh, my gosh. Take another one. Take another one. Take another one. Take it. Come on. Let's go. Get, get the whole group around. You judge the whole picture by how you looked. There were 15 of you in the picture. And you're not selfish. So the robber says, what's yours is mine. I'm going to take it. And the priest and Levi, their perspective is what's mine is mine. And I'm going to keep it. Let's go to perspective number three. This is the perspective of the Samaritan. And they call him good for a reason. It was his perspective. He had a good perspective. So he was a good Samaritan. His perspective is, what is mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. Now, this is beautiful. In fact, in our life, we basically say this would be the, the top tier. It's really not, but this would be the top tier of perspective on possessions. I'm going to give you a, a higher one in a moment. But this is a very good perspective. He was a good Samaritan. What is mine is yours, and, and I, I'm going to give it. Now, let's make sure that we have the similarities of the three people, the robbers, Priest and Levi, Good Samaritan, they all experienced the same thing. The priest and the Levite, they saw the man. Jesus is very clear. They saw the man, walked on the other side. The Good Samaritan saw the man. It's the same road. It's the same time. It's the same place. But the perspective is entirely 
different. That's why your perspective is so essential to the success of your life. It's, it's not what happens to me. It's what happens in me that truly matters. Wow. I've, I've spent this week, I had some fun. I was in Nashville, and uh, we've, we've decided to take some of my books and put them to music. We're writing songs right now, and it was so much fun because I was, I was with the top five songwriters in Nashville. They have like 100 number one hits between them with all of them, and I was in the studio. Of course, I'm not a songwriter. I'm a writer of books. But they were taking my books, and I was explaining what the books all were about. And we were writing songs, and they let me in, and we had so much fun. And, and we wrote four songs. We wrote four songs, and we're going to do four more. We're going to have an album. We're going to release it. It's going to be so, and different artists are going to sing it. And it was just a, it was just a, I mean, now I'm, I'm like, I'm the least of the least. They're the songwriters. I just write books. And so I'm, I'm learning and I'm asking questions and I'm having fun. And, and it, it, was, it was just, and, and one, of, one of the songs that we wrote is going to be called Get Over Yourself. <laughs> oh, I just love it. Because I tell people all the time, I tell people, I say, oh my gosh, get over yourself. In fact, I tell people, you ought to laugh at yourself more. Everyone else is. <laughs> Get, get over yourself. And so the chorus, which is just so much fun, I can't sing it to you, but the chorus, it goes like this. You got to find yourself to know yourself. You got to know yourself to be yourself. You got to be yourself to improve yourself. You got to prove yourself to get over yourself so you can give yourself. You can't give yourself until you get over yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Does that mean you'll buy the album when it comes out? <laughs> of course, of course. We're, we're, it's, 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 I, wish I, I just wish I could tell you all the wonderful experiences. Now, here, here's the point. The Good Samaritan said, no, no. What is mine is yours. And, I, and, and I, I, I'm going to give it. There's one more perspective that's higher than those three. This is kind of unusual because we would say, wow, that's huge. But there's a perspective higher than that. Let me give it to you. This is a biblical perspective. I'm going to teach it now for the next few minutes. It's even higher than the, than the first three. And here it is. What is mine is not mine. And I'm going to manage it. In other words, the highest perspective is to know that your stuff is not your stuff. It isn't. It's God's. It's all God's. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, it's, it's all his. James 1, 17, every good and every perfect gift. Where is it? It's from above. And comes down from the Father of lights. In other words, everything that you've got, it's not yours. Everything I have, it's not mine. It's not my stuff. It's his. Thank you. Thank you. I saw you clap first, lady. It was so wonderful. Thank you. The rest of them had no clue. And you just led the way. And then, they, you know, a few of them followed. Kind of begrudgingly. Because, you know, we kind of like to think it's our stuff. We really do. And God loves it. 
cheerful giver. <laughs> By the way, I was talking to the family in the green room, and we're going to go lunch afterwards. I told them I would buy, and then I looked in my wallet, and gosh, I don't have enough money. And I just thought, well, man, you know, where could I get money? Well, would anybody want to, you know, like bring me a hundred dollars and I could help, you know, help with the, the deal. So, oh, oh my gosh. Wait, 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 don't wait, wait, wait. Hi, my name's John. Hi, I'm Jahira. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I need friends like you. <laughs> this is so, thank you for the hundred dollars. Man, that, wow. I'll buy. I'll buy. Okay, where was I? Maybe I should ask again. Now, now, now let me just stop here because I know you're, you're thinking, what just happened? He's doing this teaching and all of a sudden he wants a hundred bucks and she steps out and gives him a hundred dollars. What happened? What why did she do that? Why did she, why did she, why did she do that like immediately? And, and then you're probably asking yourself, why didn't I do it? I'm asking that question myself. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me, let me explain to you something about the hundred dollars. When I asked somebody to bring me a hundred dollars, the reason she stepped out so quickly and brought it to me, it's, it's not her hundred dollars before the service. I gave it to her. I said, this is my money. And during the sermon, if you don't mind, if I asked for it, would you just bring it back to me? And she said, of course. Why did she do it so quickly? She did it so quickly. Why did she do it so readily? She did it so readily because it wasn't her money. And when you, when you have a hard time giving and being generous with God, you got a problem. You got a perspective problem. You think it's your money. <gasps> it's not yours. It's all his. If you took a package down to, to get it delivered to FedEx or whatever, and you gave it to the person, and so you called the, the friend you were sending it to the next day, and she said, well, no, no, I didn't get the, the box. You'd look at it and say, "What? Oh, you, you didn't get the box. I just... What happened? And so you go down to the delivery guy and you say, do you remember me? Oh, yeah, you brought in a box yesterday. Yes, I did. And then he looks at you and says, I want to thank you for that box. My gosh, I just, you're very generous. Generous. It wasn't for you. You're just the delivery boy. This is the same time. I'm just God's delivery boy. God gives me blessings, and God only gives to me what he knows will flow through me. It's not mine. It's his. And the moment that we understand that, that we just, we continually just give it and pass it on. You see, I've got a shovel, and God's got a shovel. And God shovels blessings on me, and I take my shovel, and I pass them on to you. And, and I can't keep up with his blessings because his shovel is bigger than mine. But it's not my stuff. If, it's, if, it, if you think it's your stuff, when you die, tell me how much you get to take with you. 
You and I are stewards and managers for a very short time of our possessions. And the moment that we have this perspective, all of a sudden we begin to have joy in giving. We begin to we begin to be our brother's keeper. All of a sudden, everything changes. Now, what made the change? It was our perspective. All of a sudden, we realize what's mine isn't mine. I'm just a steward of it. I'm just a manager of it. You're beautiful people. It's a simple message. And you got it. I can tell. You got it. So let's pray. Father, what beautiful people these are. They, they have learned that there are four perspectives about possessions. And help me, help us to get to level four. Help us to understand that it's all yours. It's not ours. What's mine isn't mine. I just manage it. I just steward it. Help all of us to be your delivery girl, your delivery boy. Help us all to understand that that you entrust to us what is yours to steward it and manage it well. And may we do it well. In your name I pray and everybody said, God bless you very much. Thank you. Wow, you guys can grab a seat. You know, as, as John was sharing that word with us, I couldn't help but look up here and see a life that lives that message. Uh, and I'm so grateful that all of the leadership and learnings and what God has given you, that you today just poured that stuff back out on us. And so thank you again. Would you help me one more time? Just thank uh, Dr. Maxwell for what a great word that was for us. now might be the most important part of our service. It's my favorite part of our service. It's where we ask a simple question. God, what are you saying to me today? And then we do something about it. We, we, we actually take a step towards what God is doing in our life. And so I would just ask you that question. What is God saying to you today? You know, the tide is rising here at Seacoast. What kind of perspective are you gonna have of the work that God is doing. There are gonna be many opportunities for us to come alongside people who are hurting, who've been beat up and left on the side of the road. What's gonna be my perspective? What's gonna be your perspective? You know, it's a lot different when you go to a baptism and we told you that we baptized 265 people uh, two weeks ago, which is awesome. But when one of those people is somebody that you've been inviting, that you've been praying, that you've been leaning into, that's a different perspective. When your perspective is, that's somebody that's your child, somebody that you've been hoping that, that somebody would see them and notice them. And when it happens, it, it just is a different perspective. And so what will, what will your perspective be? You know, some of us need to go to the cross today. And the cross is a great place to exchange selfishness for significance. It's a great place to acknowledge, you know what, God, as much as I'd like to think that I've grown, that I'm at a certain place, or 
we've all got stuff that God's still working on us with. Areas where we have maybe a little bit too tight of a grip on our possessions or on our influence or our leadership. And, and maybe there's something that, that God's just saying, hey, I want you to let go of that today. I want you to move from, from selfishness to a position where you could really have significance. Because like John said, there's no joy in selfishness. In fact, there's only fear in selfishness when I have to hold on to everything. So some of us, maybe we'll go to the cross. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's something else that God is just asking you to lay that down at the foot of the cross. Some of us, maybe we're in a place where we need uh, prayer. You know, there's another perspective. And sometimes in life, we're, the pers- we're carrying the perspective of the person who's been beaten up and left on the side of the road. And if you live long enough, sometimes we have days like that. Sometimes we have seasons like that. Maybe you're here today and you just need somebody to see you. Somebody to come over to the side of the road where you are and to, to pray for you, to see you. Our prayer teams would be honored to pray for you, to speak life over you, to speak God's word over you. We'll have prayer teams that are up at the front and throughout the building. And if there's anything going on in your life that you need prayer for, please come up and give us a chance just to pray for you and serve you during this season. You know, some of us are gonna go and we're gonna receive communion. Uh, Communion is, you don't have to be a member of Seacoast Church to take communion here. You just have to be a member of the body of Christ. Be reminded that God did the greatest act of crossing the road, of going from heaven to earth to take on a human body, to die on a cross for us so that we could be saved, so that we could be free of our sin, our shame, our condemnation. And that anytime we cross the road to help somebody else, we're just taking on the character of a God who's already done that for us. And we're gonna receive communion and say thank you for seeing me, thank you for saving me. And some are gonna light candles, maybe you know a loved one who's hurting right now and you just wanna intercede on their behalf and some will do that. But I wanna encourage all of us to consider our possessions as we think about our response today. Because a message like that, so strong and so powerful, how do I know that I've gotten to a level, level four perspective? It's how long does it take me to be obedient when God calls me to be generous, to give, to steward something that he's already given us. And some of us, if we were being real honest, we, we probably look and feel a little bit more like that delivery guy who kept the gift for himself. And I don't know what God might be calling you to do. I know that over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be talking about some specific things that God's called us to, to tackle as a church, to go after a, a campus on John's Island and campus in Greenville and and some missions opportunities. Maybe even it's today to serve some people that you'll probably never meet in a town down in Florida that's devastated right now. But how long does it take you to, to say, yes, God, whatever you're calling me to do? And some may be calling us to just give something. Some of you already give something, but God's calling you, hey, would you consider being a tither? Would you consider being a percentage? Whatever that looks like. I'm not here to compel you to do any of it. I just want you to ask God, God, what are you saying to me? to me about my attitude towards my stuff. And, and, and my prayer would be that you would go from the perspective wherever you are to a level four person who says, you know what? Everything I have belongs to God. And so when he tells me to give, I'm gonna give. When he tells me to serve, I'm gonna serve. But what's God saying to you today? Then once we're done responding, we're gonna sing and we're gonna celebrate an awesome, awesome God. So let's respond to him together, church.